0: in today's episode of the Sixers beat Rich and I go over the Sixers last three games including wins over the Brooklyn Nets and the Orlando Magic we talk about who has stepped up here in the absences of James Harden Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey and then we give our thoughts on how they can continue that play when the Sixers stars all return enjoy the podcast All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Botner, joined by Rich Hoffman on a Sixers beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich? It has been a little while. Uh, we did a podcast real early there on Monday before the Brooklyn game. There's been a lot that has happened. Not so much from your three main stars. We will get into that, but a lot that has happened. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. How was uh, How was Thanksgiving? Do you like Thanksgiving? Who Who? How could I not like Thanksgiving? I, I like food. I mostly enjoy my family in moderation. It's a it's a good holiday for me. It's a very good holiday. <laughs> that's
1: that's a fair way to put it. I yeah. I, I don't know. You, you see all these hipster takes online. I shouldn't say hipster takes, but people just trying to be contrarians, being like, "Oh, I hate food. I hate turkey. All this stuff." And it's like, all right. Well, you,
0: I mean, know, you, I do think the turkey is tends to be overrated. It is not my favorite part of Thanksgiving. But it brings out the creative side of cooks in my family, and I enjoy that, yeah. My general point is, like, you can just douse it with gravy. Who cares? Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't want to
1: argue fair. about food because people, first off, they get crazy about it, and two, I don't think it's that interesting or whatever. But anyway, I like Thanksgiving, so I've had a good week.
0: Yeah, no, and I've avoided all shopping. I don't partake in Black Friday at all. I will buy an occasional thing online, but I do not go out in stores. I have not i have not done that in a very long time, so I have not had any of the downsides of this weekend either.
1: I, I used to get a kick out of, at, at my Thanksgiving, after the dinner was over, somebody would turn on the TV. And usually the Cowboys are playing at that time. They play in the, the 4 o'clock time slot. But sometimes, you know, you'd flip over and you'd see action news, and there would be people yeah. already shopping and in line for Black I, Friday, which I think is happening less now because of COVID and yeah, a lot of it is online.
0: That said, if you ever did that in your life, you're a psychopath. I'm sorry. Well, I've got I've got a psychopathic aunt. Then she every year she's up real early on Black Friday, uh, a couple years before COVID Ooh, real when of, early. I'm talking six. O'clock. Oh no, she would go after Thanksgiving, when, especially right before COVID source stores started opening up on Thursday night. A lot. Uh, see, yeah, no. she would go out there for that. Yeah. See, I don't do it at all, but it, I, I draw the line. It better be Friday when you're when you're doing it. Okay, that's all. <laughs> no, I a couple of years back I went out just to watch Mayhem for a couple of minutes and I regretted it and I'm never going back out there. I will buy online and I will pay whatever percent increase to uh, save my sanity. Anyway, Philadelphia 76ers who have not been killing my sanity lately, which is a surprise, it's a, it's a deviation from what we're used to, have won, I believe it is, nine of the last 14 games. They're nine and five since that one and five start. They've won five of the last seven Not a murderer's row of opponents, Uh, although the Bucks win mixed in there. Uh, The Jazz were playing very well, but you've got some games against the Magic and the Hornets and things like that. Overall, I think they have exceeded my expectations here without their three stars. and Joel is going to miss tonight's game against the Magic as well. They are playing pretty good basketball, led by your boy, Sheik Milton, who has (laughs) just been on fire here. Uh, and playing not only as a scorer because we've seen him in small doses be a really good scorer but as a playmaker Paul Reed is playing well George Yang continues to play exceptional basketball what is your biggest takeaway here over these the stretch run here not stretch run cuz we're not in the stretch run over this stretch without without Harden and Bede and Maxi
1: Shake is my biggest take but l- l- let me quickly say something about Doc Rivers I'm just imagining a two verse 15 or three verse 14 first round NCAA tournament game. I don't care who the teams are. If it was doc rivers coaching against doc rivers in that game, there is no question in my mind. The lower seed wins that game like 85 to 90% yeah. of the time. Yeah. It's crazy that his best work comes when they're completely undermanned. And it's, this has been the case in past years and it's certainly been the case this week. Okay. That, but that's something we already knew. We knew Doc does a good job when they're completely shorthanded and there's no reason they should be winning these games. They, they play well. Um, Shake is the biggest take. Good rhyme there. I have been hard on him. As you've mentioned, plenty Harder of times.
0: Harder in here. person than uh, on the podcast, but he was bad. And, he but, but bad, here's so the problem.
1: I didn't properly account for the reason why he was bad. I think he more than anyone is a rhythm basketball player. I think a lot of times we use the excuse, "Oh man, he's not getting his normal touches. He, you know, he's not getting his normal playing time." And sometimes like, yeah, if you give him more playing time, yeah, they'll score more, but, you know, what what are we exactly talking about? But Shake Milton, more than anyone I have seen in the NBA in recent years, he needs the ball in his hands and he needs regular minutes. Those two things. You hear that, look, you hear that all the time with guys like, I don't know, Charles Bassey and Isaiah Joe who, who to his credit he had a big game a couple days ago Isaiah Joe but it's more true with shake like I think when most teams 11th man are given the keys to the offense they're going to put up some points but they're not going to play winning basketball shake is actually capable of doing that for you Um, which makes the play when he's not the featured guy a little more frustrating but that's who he is so like when Harden has the ball the entire game i'm thinking back to last season's playoffs against toronto when shake is getting cameo minutes and he's just taking three catch and shoot threes and that's basically all he's doing yeah yeah he can make those shots but i feel like that happens more when he's involved in the offense and look joel he complimented his pocket passing after the uh i think it was after the bucks win last is that week
0: a, is that the same uh, press conference where he said my favorite memory of shake was when i told him i wanted to slap him <laughs> that was amazing that, that he, bubble he game. left all he left off key point he said he wanted to slap the shit out of him he didn't say that in the presser but he said that in real life <laughs>
1: what what a game that was do you remember <laughs> my, my
0: grip my greatest memory with shake is when i told him i want to slap him in the bubble he's he's come a lot since then or something like that. he didn't like apo- even apologize for wanting to slap him he just said he's grown a lot it was great it was a fantastic to <laughs> moment
1: well that was when shake was the starting point guard in the bubble all for right. a little while yep uh and that also was the game where TJ Warren lit up Ben Simmons to a degree. I- I've never seen Ben Simmons get lit up like that, even now. Uh may- maybe Luca got him a couple weeks ago. That was a very memorable game where Shake is wearing the headband and he is the uh he's the starting point guard, you know, Brett Brown's last hurrah. Yeah. The uh the other funny thing Joel does with Shake, do you remember a couple times like I think it was last year, he was talking about all the team's three point shooters and he basically was like Look, man, we got guys who can make threes on this team. We got Ferk, we got Seth, we got all these guys. Because we got Shake, even though I think <laughs> yeah. he should shoot a little bit better. Basically, like he gives him a little dig every yeah. uh, once in a while. So it's it's a funny little relationship there. But he complimented his pocket passing the other night, and Shake has those long ass pterodactyl arms that allow him to make passes, even though he's not a great athlete. Like part of the reason. His he pocket cr- pass
0: isn't really coming from the pocket pass because he needs
1: to stretch out those arms a little bit. It's a little to the side. It's very unorthodox, yeah. but the fact that he is a six five guy with a 7-foot wingspan, and you can see it on defense now, he's making some plays too. Um, he makes use of those super long arms really well. And Shake has craft with that in-between game. He can finish in a variety of ways. He can finish off either foot. He's good in transition when he has a head of steam, like he's pretty good at attacking, using those long arms to finish in a very um, efficient manner. I would say like his movements are very efficient and he has a good knowledge of how to play in the pick and roll. So I, I think what I aired in bashing shake for a lot of this year is that he more than any player and you could see it in the stats like it's not just that his points have gone up his efficiency has gone up oh
0: he's he's scoring i have the stats here he's scoring 20.7 points over the last three games on 53.5 percent from the field and 50 percent from three like these aren't hollow numbers to your point they are efficient numbers
1: and if you look at the per minute numbers they're a lot better yep the uh like early in the season he was making these ridiculous decisions like he was just completely out of sorts but I I think the the lesson here is that Shake Milton when he has the ball in his hands can figure some shit out. Like he when he gets into a rhythm and he gets, you know, 10 12 pick and roll calls a game. He he is better at ramping his usage up than your normal 11, 12th man. And I think that's something he has proven throughout his career.
0: Yeah. And besides the scoring and the scoring's been nice, especially against the uh I believe it was a Nets game where coming down in the fourth quarter, he had a couple of those real big pull-up mid-range jumpers uh, when they were, you know, Brooklyn was threatening to make a little bit of a run. He also had a couple of really bad turnovers during that stretch. So he was part of the reason Brooklyn was making that run, but he helped hold them off with some of those jumpers. But really, it's been the the pick-and-roll passing. Like, I'm specifically thinking of a couple of... When he had, you know, Trez rolling to the rim, and he's making sort of like these bounce pass, like wrap-around-the-defender kind of passes that... I'm going to say this, and it's probably going to sound like I'm giving... Shake too much credit. But legitimately, the only other person on the team that has a creative creativity to make that pass is James Harden. Now, that is not me saying Shake Milton is as good of a passer as James Harden. Don't twist it. It is that you have a lot of people real low on the creativity scale on his team. Then you have Shake Milton. Then way ahead of that, you have James Harden. So I'm not comparing him to James Harden in any way. But he has shown creativity, especially on the pick and roll, especially finding rollers, especially Montrez, that I'm not sure I ever saw him have before. Um, And maybe that's just a product of getting the ball more. Maybe that's a product of getting the ball more in a a pick and roll heavy system and really having a rolling big man for the first time uh, in his career. Because when he was sort of like that pick and roll player for a little bit back in the bubble before uh, Ben Simmons got hurt, you know, Ben Simmons wasn't a traditional rolling big. He was sort of playing that short role there. So Trez is rolling harder. Paul Reed is rolling harder than anyone's ever played with. But I've never seen him really have this kind of creativity and timing off the pick and roll. And that's been real fun to see. It's real fun to see because of the two big backup big men he would theoretically be playing with when uh, your your stars come back. And it's a skill set that they need right now. And quite frankly, I think they need going forward. Uh, you know, if they are able to... We talked a lot about you have James Harden, and then you have real no other plus passers. And you have James Harden and Tyrese Maxey, and then you have no other real even lead guard ball handlers. We, there's a real depth and, or a real shortage of both, a lack of a depth, I guess is what I was going for, of both of those skill sets. And if he can take what he's doing now and apply it into a shorter minute run when the, the stars get back, Six would really benefit. So I guess we'll swing this conversation back to you now. How can they take what he's doing now and find some way to get some reasonable facsimile of it when Harden and Maxi come back?
1: That's the issue, right? Because he he has not shown that he can do that in smaller bursts or not consistently shown. He can do that in smaller bursts. And yeah, just listening to you talk with Shake, there is the outline of a playoff player where the playoffs are about what are your weaknesses? Like what do, can you play a guy because of his, um, his killer weakness? He doesn't have a lot of killer weaknesses. He can do a lot of stuff pretty well, uh, including shoot pretty well, even though his shot is. I don't know, funkier and different than it was. I don't, it's just more disjointed. I don't understand why, but whatever.
0: He's starting to I make him a little bit. I think bit. Mike Levin says that he, he looks like he's shooting a medicine ball. And sometimes yeah. it looks like he's shooting a heavy ball. Yeah.
1: It really does. But what? whatever, it's starting to go in. Um, And that's, look, I think that's a, a great question. And it's something that if you pay attention to the Sixers, it's the first thing that comes to mind when you watch, I I, I would say shake in particular, but the combination of shake and Melton playing so well yep. together. Notice I didn't say Milton, Milton and Melton. Games. Yeah, it's, it's, tough. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. But watching those guys perform really well, here. almost like as I, tough as
0: Cole Anthony. I'm sorry, go
1: ahead. <laughs> Anthony Cole. The I think the Sixers have a real question when all the guys come back. You know, uh, James Harden was second in time of possession in the NBA when he got hurt, only behind Luka Doncic, who literally has his ball in the or as the ball in his hands. The entire game. It's insane and also unsustainable, even though he's Luca freaking Notch. That's too much. I think the result of the plays are fine that Harden and, you know, the passing and all those things, but a slow paced style where he surveys the defense is not. And look, there are two ways in my estimation that a team can be hard to guard. The first is that they have really good players. I believe the Sixers have that when they're healthy. Their top three guys are hard to guard. And the second is that they run good sets, they're playing with continuity, the ball's hopping. That was not the case enough early in the season when the star players had played. And that's just not the case with Harden either. Like the Joel 59-point game, that was an ISO fest, too. Yeah. And when I watch somebody like Shake, when I watch DeAnthony playing well, when I watch Tobias playing well, Niang, who we can talk about in a little bit, who's been awesome this season, uh, and then you have Maxie and Embiid, too, there needs to be more of a cohesive team identity here. Like, there, there needs to be a combination of you have good players, but also the ball is moving and you're playing with more continuity and there's there's more player movement because th- this can't just be James Ball. These guys are more talented than the marathon man. Like the, the, the Rockets had four marathon mans out there when when the uh, hey, when Harden he hit was a big playing. shot, he hit a big shot. Oh, it was I think the only shot since our last podcast, but he hit a big shot. He is, I mean, watching him play by the way, like it's so painful on offense, but he's he's, he's helped incredible. incredible. He's yeah, incredible he's, on defense, yes. He's helping them a lot and you know what? He's giving them big minutes. But again, like he is the one, maybe House is the other guy. The two Rockets guys are the the very limited players who yeah, okay, if if you want Harden to isolate for a long time, that's fine. There are too many other guys on this team who could do a little bit with the ball in their hands and I don't know what the answer to that is, except Harden has to get off the ball faster, and Bede has to, to roll and not isolate quite as much, get off the ball faster. Uh, they, they need to find a way to incorporate these guys, because they have more talented 8th and ninth men than the average team. They just do, offensively.
0: Well, and Harden getting off the ball faster, the problem with that is when he's off the ball, he's legitimately useless. Uh, he does not move at all. He doesn't really look for that shot. He comes back to the ball.
1: It's not easy. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: And also, like, now that he's feeling better physically, I don't think he's going to want to play that style. I think he wants the ball. I think he wants to be maybe not Houston James Harden, but, you know, more than he was last year. I think last year he willingly came off the ball a little bit because he knew he didn't have it. I think now he wants to, you know, he's feeling a little frisky. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, We'll Well, see. It is, it is tough. Like, I think maybe Shake's role is just that, you know, when all your stars are healthy, he is a, you know, mostly inoffensive, mediocre role player. And when somebody gets injured, he can ramp up and sort of fill a little bit of that void. And I think he can even ramp up a little bit, like if Joel's out, and even if Harden and Maxi are there, you know, if you put him with Harrell, uh, you put him with Reed, and you ask him to run a couple of minutes there um, with that second unit, maybe that's how he ramps up even when Embiid's out. I I don't know. I, I, When everyone's healthy, I, it would be great to get this version of Shake more consistently. I just, I'm with you. I don't entirely know how they do it. And to be honest, like this isn't the most pressing, like shake could have a very small role and they'll probably still be fine offensively for the most part because they do have that much talent. Like maximizing shake isn't necessarily the goal, no. but you would like to bridge the gap of what he's doing now with what he was doing to start the season. I don't Dude, know. There's a balance there. He's not getting
1: 10 pick and roll calls a game when all of those guys are healthy. He's not, it's just, it's not the best use of your resources. That said, the ball needs to find him on the weak side once in a while because he's pretty good when he gets it. Like he's okay at it. Uh, I, I would say one thing, especially for him, when everybody comes back, I would like to see him on the backup units with Joel and Bede pretty much every minute they play together. And that's, that's probably a Milton Maxi backcourt. Maybe you play DeAnthony a little bit. I guess the DeAnthony minutes are, are something you look for, but I would like to see him play with Joel because I think he can get the ball to Joel in those pocket past situations i also think he's a slightly better defend. well he's definitely a way better defender than than harden just because of his arms and his effort uh i I would like to see that but Yeah, yeah look it's a it's a bigger philosophical question it's it's not just really him that made me wonder like their their offense left me cold to start the year i just felt i thought it would be easier i thought they would be um I don't know. I, th- I thought their their sets and their continuity would be harder to guard after it was for a decent amount last season and they they need to get back to that because their their guys are proving that they're they're pretty good. I, I guess we didn't talk about the the Nets game. Um, we did not. First off, that was a great win. Like that it was, was a very good one. Yeah. And and I think more than anything that win showed you know, we could talk about shake and the offense and all those things. That
0: showed character. Especially from Tobias. Tobias coming back like that, and I forget what he had in the second half, but he was tremendous after that injury. Uh, that was a real character performance from Tobias and the team in general, for sure.
1: And it's just like the Orlando win the other night, too. Yes, the, these guys are showing that they're more capable, but they're also just showing like they're gamers. Like they they yeah. play hard. They're they're not giving up when they're uh, they're and I know they're not playing great teams, although look, Orlando got. Poncaro back for that game. Also, Bo Bull is tremendous to watch, yeah. by the way. I really, I love that he's actually a pretty good player now. I know he was a
0: decently regarded recruit before he had an injury. I didn't really buy it coming into the draft. It's just, I didn't see him pop like that. He's, his, he's really improved. He's a, a very legitimate player.
1: That Sixers magic game on Friday, and I assume on Sunday after you're listening to this, What, what an athletic mismatch. What a what a contrast in styles. Yeah, the sure. very small and ground-bound yep. Sixers versus yep. the super long team. But you know what? The Sixers got some transition buckets against them. They they did a good job. Uh but yeah, I, I think that Nets game especially like that was a game the Nets should have been up for and they they weren't for whatever reason and the Sixers I that was I don't know, that was awesome. I I, I guess uh I guess we got to go over the Ben stuff. I thought the
0: the Jordan shrug was one of the funniest things I have ever seen. It was. I don't even like. I I think a lot of people are like angry at him for like, why are you shrugging when all you did was make two free throws? Like the whole arena was booing him. Like I actually liked a little bit of a response from him.
1: (laughs) He he made both of them too. Although his his shot is a little bit weirder now. It's It's worse.
0: It's definitely worse.
1: Yeah, and yet, even though he Jordan shrugged. You knew when the second half rolled around, the prospect of him giving some Chick-fil-A to the people
0: uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: was was very likely to happen, and it did. It's It was so funny that I think the first time he got fouled, it was a bad call. And yet, for I think the arena kind of booed for about a half second, and then they realized, oh, wait, Ben should
0: free <laughs> yes. It was one of the wildest things I've ever seen. The arena got happy when the opposing player went to the free throw line on a borderline call. I've never seen that before. There was, a, there was real palpable excitement for those free throws, though. Uh,
1: I have a confession and to make credit,
0: this- credit to the fans. Like, I thought when he initially got induced, I thought it was a little less than I was expecting. Then they spent the entire first half booing him every time he touched the ball, which he ran a lot of offense, so he touched the ball a lot, or at least he brought the ball up. Um, they were They were into it. I thought they were into it in the right ways. Like, a lot hmm. of times Philly can make the news, and a lot of times that's, you know, national media sort of like, nitpicking in ways they wouldn't nitpick other cities because of the reputation, but fans didn't do any, didn't give him any ammunition on this one. They were just real vocal and passionate. And I thought they did a good, I thought, I thought all parties quite frankly did a good job. I thought Ben in his interviews before and after the game handled it pretty well. You know, I thought Ben actually played like I saw some people. Oh, well, he's exactly the same. He hasn't grown at all. Well, if well, you go back and listen to our podcast from a couple of weeks ago, like him looking like old Ben Simmons was a big step up. Yeah, it's a big step up.
1: Yeah. Uh, I have a confession to make. My YouTube algorithm
0: gives Uh-oh. me some Stephen this A. Smith. We've get to some dangerous territory here. Well, it gives me some Stephen A. Smith
1: every once in a while,
0: and I love it. Do, do, do you have like family members who just don't understand like like social media and YouTube? They'll be like, "Hey, go to YouTube and see that video on the front page." I'm like, "Dad, that's not that's not really how that works." <laughs> Our front pages are different. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: I'm sure I do. I, I haven't had that exact conversation, but you know, I my, my mom's pretty bad with technology. I'm sure. I'm sure she would be confused by it, uh. But I get some Stephen A. Smith every once in a while, and he was ripping the Nets, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna click on that and look. Th- there goes the algorithm again. It's just a, it's an endless cycle. Uh. But anyway, I saw him call the the Philly fans' performance on the night classy, which, like, look, these are my people too, and I love Steve sticking up for F- Steve as Kevin Durant calls him on a uh. On a national stage, sticking up for Philadelphia is pretty cool, and I know what he meant. Like it was a national; it could have been a national incident that people latched on to, and it wasn't. That said, there were arena-wide F Ben Simmons chants the entire second. Oh, sure, half.
0: sure, sure. <laughs>
1: I, look, I love Philadelphia. I love. Pretty much everybody in that audience. <laughs> but classy might not be the first word I would use to to describe it. But th- that said, it was cool. And I know what he meant, that it was not a huge story because it wasn't. And, you know, I think that was for a lot of reasons, right? That was because Ben is not as good. There has been time that it has passed. I think, frankly, the Sixers don't have their best guys. Joel There not wasn't playing. a lot of juice for that game. Yep. Lost a lot of juice. Um, so, and, and honestly, the good thing about that game, because it, it turned into a really fun one, the juice was just right. Like they were booing him. Yeah. There was the occasional F Ben Simmons chant, but you know, the Sixers were playing well and then it just turned into a basketball game where, yeah. you know, an undermanned team was, was trying really hard on a national stage. And that was cool.
0: No, the first half was about Ben Simmons. The second half was about basketball. That's all you could have asked for. It was perfect.
1: And, and I will say, cause, cause I, I hammered this home. It is good to see that Ben is not the player from the first few weeks of the, yeah. the season. L- literally the second we dropped that pod, He started to play so much better. So maybe I am responsible for turning him around because it was bad. And I I know the player that he's going to be is still insanely frustrating. Zero shots in the fourth quarter, not looking at the rim all that much. And he's not a player that's going to fix the Nets defense uh, for sure. But look, it it was not like watching Chuck Knobloch on a basketball court and somebody else to touch the ball the entire game. Uh, One other thought on the Nets. I don't know how they're twentieth in defense. I, I, that seems way too high. I, yeah. They're
0: unserious and and they're bad players too on defense. There was one week where they had, I think, the second best defense in the league. It was one of that's the, right. That's one right. of the weeks where the Sixers were top, and it was like, there's no this is there's no way this is real. There's no way. They're, they're bad defenders who
1: don't try. And then to top it off, some of those backup lineups that switch literally yep. everything with yep. Joe Harris and Seth Curry yeah. on the floor. Joe Harris like, is so bad. That turned Joe into and a, Kyrie. Like they're they're terrible. terrible. That turned into a like Tobias Bully Ball ISO, that was he could do it against four players on the court yeah. and, and have success with it. So that was a fun game. I, I know we're we're a little late on that, but I, I just want to say that was I I mean the Bucks game was pretty fun. We've had some pretty fun home games over the past couple yeah. weeks. So that's yeah. that's been cool. Obviously Joel's huge, huge game as well.
2: As you all know by now, we've teamed up with Bet MGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABasketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABasketball Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana... In Nevada and New York. Don't forget if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA Basketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to the Athletic plus up to a one thousand dollars first bet offer on your first wager.
0: Yeah, they've been they've been playing well at home. Outside of that that one Minnesota loss, um, they haven't really lost at home in a while, which you like to see. You like to see. All right, let's go to uh, let's go to Paul Reed.
1: Yeah, I mean he was a big part of the. Uh the basketball being the story in the second half of that game. Yeah. I, uh, I think the Nets game was probably the best game he's ever played on on a real stage. Like,
0: you know, he'll give you, Oh, whoa. Was that a, was that, was that some, uh, G league shade there?
1: Yeah, it was (laughs) look, this is big boy, big boy basketball. Paul, we're talking about here. Uh, yeah, no, I just thought his, his energy and activity, like, like he's, he's shown that, he can do that for 10 minutes. I think he had played 20 minutes and I looked at the box score. I was like, man, he hasn't committed one foul yet. And he's been yeah. active as hell. And it's, uh, he's been awesome. I think his, uh, you know, it's been cool over the past couple of weeks and, and you only see it once in a while.
0: His decision making
1: around the rim has been yes. really good.
0: And I think when he's, when you've seen that now you've seen, he actually has pretty good touch and body control around the rim. Like he has had a, a bunch of uh, layups where he catches the ball. Spins his body completely under control, soft touch. As long as he limits himself, specifically with the dribble, you don't need <laughs> short roll B-ball Paul. You don't need ISO B-ball Paul.
1: Not delay li- B-ball Paul.
0: <laughs> no. When when he limits himself, there's a useful offensive player in there. And part of that's when you're playing center, like what you have to do to be useful on offense is a lot less. Put some pressure on the rim, you know, roll to the basket, draw some defenders, get some easy buckets. That's it. That's all they need him to do. And he will... Well, he, he should play a fair amount of minutes. He should be the backup center. I think he's done enough here over the last couple of weeks where he should be the primary backup center. It should be his spot to lose. Part of that's going to be that he still has to win Doc's trust, and I think some of that is on Doc, but he has to just not make some of those preventable mistakes so he doesn't give Doc any ammunition to send him to the bench. And if he does that, there is, I'm, I'm fully convinced there is a useful... Backup NBA center in there. And I
1: think the Doc's credit, I have not seen Paul Reed get yanked for three and a half weeks. I mean, part of it no, is no, but
0: I mean it'll be easier to do that when you're, you know, 35 minute per game superstar center is back too. Sure. Uh but even in these games, too, it's like
1: Yeah, the only time he has been really taken out of the game, like Trez starts the game, but Reed plays more minutes unless there's foul trouble. Yeah. And even in, uh, I guess it was the Orlando game. Reed had foul, foul trouble, but he closed the game. He was the one who was, or maybe it was the Charlotte game where, where Paul didn't even play quite as well, but he was the one who closed it. And and Trez gave him some decent mis- I think Trez is playing okay for now, but I completely agree that Paul uh, should be getting the the backup center minutes.
0: I mean, he's, the, the he's playing prob- completely fine offensively for now. His defense it, is still, a oh disaster. yeah. I mean and
1: honestly his offense too is he, he's just a much more natural playmaker than than Reed is. I mean center right now in the NBA it's a passing position a lot of it. Like it's it's a lot of pass and screen and get your guards open. It's it's a huge connector type of position and that yeah. comes a lot more naturally to Trez, which is important for him because him as a finisher I, I know he gets some runouts, he gets some dunks as the
0: just screaming at the cat right now. Unbelievable. Uh, All he wants to do is, uh, I've got a mic stand, he just wants to use it as a scratching post right now, and it's driving me insane.
1: So, b Paul at the rim is shooting 71% at the rim. Trez is shooting... Low 50s? 58%. Okay. Uh, that has gone up uh, a little bit. Now look, I, I think Trez is probably a little bit higher frequency. That said, the problem with Trez is that he doesn't make the contested layups anymore. He yeah. doesn't beast the guy for a rebound, go through his chest and finish. That's what he, that's Clippers Trez would do that. And you're not, uh, you're not getting that from him. So yeah, uh, agreed. Like Paul Reed at some point here is going to have to be the, the backup center. Primarily, look, he's still going to have some bad games. He's still going to drive you crazy, but it's, I, I feel like he's, he's gotten a lot better offensively after, you know, a, a dreadful, week, I don't know, what was that, three weeks ago where he was just horrible offensively. I mean, God, the the pass he made after the rebound, he, he had an offensive rebound against Orlando and then he threw a cross-court bullet straight into Tobias Harris's shooting pocket for a three. I mean, that's just, that's good stuff from him, man. That's what this team needs. Don't turn the ball over. And uh, yeah, he's been, uh he's been good. Yeah.
0: No, he has. He has him and, and George, and I'm not really sure how much we can talk about George because it's just like... I think all pretty obvious, like he's shooting the snot out of the ball. He's giving you way more off the dribble and attack and closeouts than any of us would have had any real reason to expect. And quite honestly, like, I think he's moving his feet a little better defense, certainly than he was last year when he was was playing through, what was it, a knee injury at the Mm -hmm. time? Uh, But even I think when he was in Utah, like he seems like he's and look, it's not like he's he's in perfect shape. But maybe he just got a little bit better in shape and he's moving his feet just a little bit better and he's a little <laughs> less noticeable on defense. Uh, he's he's playing real well. And he's obviously competing. He's obviously trash-talking. when any, any time period where he makes 60% of his threes, there's going to be, like he has in the last three games, there's going to be a lot of trash-talking that has come through uh, both in person and on the broadcast. He's given them a real dose of offense, shooting, energy. He's played He's played real well.
1: Give the people free chicken nuggets. Give the people... Free chicken nuggets. Yeah, no, that was very funny when he said that in Orlando. I wonder if the Magic guys were like, what "The hell is he talking about?" Right <laughs> yeah. now? I mean, that that might be the best trash talk. Obviously, he should be a fan favorite because of that. You mentioned his body. The other thing I like about George is like, he'll bring it up off the cuff. He'll be like, "I don't look like an NBA basketball player." He's <laughs> like, I, "I get it." Yeah, uh, you know, he gets in a little bit of a tussle with Ben Simmons, but because of course he is the one. Yep who does that. But yeah, it's like you said, the the big thing is that he's shooting 46% from three on almost 10 attempts per 36 minutes. That's like you said, that is in layman's terms, shooting the snot out of the basketball and also shooting 54% from the field on twos, which is close to a career high. And it's, it's, I think we've mentioned this before, but when you play this drive and kick offense, when you're undermanned and the floor is completely spread, he's pretty good at attacking a closeout. Like he can actually yeah. get shots yeah. off. Now, sometimes he'll run into a guy on a Euro step and he'll throw up a floater and maybe it goes <laughs> in or it doesn't,
0: but that's a perfect description too. Cause he literally just runs into him. His foot speed's never going to win a race. And when that defender, he thinks the defender's not off or when he thinks the defender is off guard and he's not, he runs into him. It's a good way to describe it.
1: He runs into guys a lot though. And, and he gets a couple of, if the defender is not, position correctly on a slot drive. He is so slow that he gets end ones because the ref sees that contact more easily than they would. He's the opposite of Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey has to accentuate that contact. George doesn't have to accentuate it because it's like, I mean, it's like you're, you're watching it in slow motion (laughs) to the point where, and he makes those finishes. So he's a look, man, I I, I think obviously he's a really good shooter and, and that is, something we talk about a lot. He's a guy who talks shit, which is perfect for Philadelphia. But the other thing that has translated to the NBA and not on a huge role, it's kind of like we're talking about with Shake, not asking for George Niang pick and rolls here. But George Niang, when he was the minivan at Iowa State, like he was, you know, they they would run the entire offense through him. And he's a super skilled basketball player in a lot of different ways. And you see that. A super skilled basketball player in a YMCA body. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is why he's was what was it the biannual? Except no, it wasn't biannual. It was part of the mid-level exception, only part of it. That said, uh, kind mm-hmm. of a steal for that contract. Like if if you're telling me you're getting a super positive regular season player for the
0: full full mini mid-level, they didn't even have to pay that for him. So he's he's been really good for them. So we're not getting a reprieve yet on the injury front for Sunday's game. As Embiid, Harden, Maxi, and Thibel are all listed as out. We don't really have a true update on Joel Embiid. The initial diagnosis was he missed those first two games, uh, the Brooklyn and Charlotte games, and then be reevaluated. We haven't necessarily gotten a full fledged uh, release on that reevaluation and how long you can expect him to be out. He has obviously now missed one more game and another one coming up here with that foot sprain. So I don't, and I think Maxi is probably, what, maybe about two weeks away and Harden probably at least another week, maybe another two weeks. So we've still got some games here to to tread water, but hopefully the reinforcements are on their way soon. They've done a pretty good job here of holding the fort while that happens. Yeah. Is there any, as we kind of close this off, is there anything you're really looking for here in this, this upcoming stretch? We've got, obviously, or- the second in Orlando here um on sunday, monday uh in philly against atlanta and then the cavs, grizzlies and rockets. two two pretty interesting games there against the cavs and the grizzlies um before the schedule gets easier once again.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know what? Honestly, like m- more of the same of what we're talking about, but it's really just about holding the fort. Like the Sixers probably you know, the talk of the 1 seed. That that, that looks like it could be hard just because of the injuries and how well the Bucks and the Celtics are playing, but they've had a really good week even before tonight's game against the Magic. Like to go two and one against this schedule, this shorthanded is that that's really good. And honestly, the one game they lost was Charlotte. That was a schedule loss. They couldn't yeah. make any threes that night. They didn't and play they really, like They
0: came out on fire in the first quarter and then just progressively, like you could see the legs just go. Like every even corner three, short threes were coming up short. They had nothing left.
1: Tobias so and George just short the entire night from yeah.
0: three, and that's like look, that's okay.
1: I, I thought Doc to his credit after the game, he said like, look, I'm I'm okay with how we played. Like that's that was a team that was rested, and we weren't, and we couldn't make any threes. I, I will say the Sixers, their Jedi three point defense though is is yeah. getting pretty absurd. I mean we're they're at like thirty one something percent for opponents. Like the league average is like thirty five. It's I don't know. It's they've been pretty fortunate with that, Um and we're getting to be a quarter into the season. But honestly, man, just, just the goal has to be to keep treading water here. Just keep figuring out ways to, to scratch out a win or two. Uh, Look, they they are a let they're 10 and nine right now. Let's say they win tonight. If they get to 11 and nine with Embiid playing 12 games, Harden playing nine games, Maxi playing together,
0: maybe like five.
1: Yeah. Playing 15 games. That's okay. Like that's, you're probably not going to get the one seed, but that's a, a decent job holding down the fort while you, you freaking have a million key injuries at the same time. So that that's all it really is. And, you know, there are some lessons that they can learn, but really it's about getting a result. And, and they've done that well so far. It would be massive if they could get this one the night against Orlando. That would be that would be pretty big. Who knows? It's it's hard. Like they 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 have a pretty small margin for error and they've done a great job considering that being the case the past week.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I think their goal is when Joel and let's say Joel and Harden, because I think they're the two that will come back the soonest. When they get back, be five hundred. And if they can do that, they're in a pretty good spot. And you've got, like you said, one over five hundred right now. You've got one against Orlando. That's winnable. One against the Hawks, that's probably tough, but it's not impossible. Like, if you can beat if you can beat the Nets, you can probably at least compete against the Hawks. And then you've got, okay, Cavs, Grizzlies, tough games. Rockets, yeah. Lakers, Hornets again. Like, you've got some winnable games. And then it gets tougher again uh, you after should, that. I, Joel should be back by that. Yeah, Joel should be back. Harden should be the, back. Harden yeah. could be back by the time you get to, Lakers. you know, yeah. yeah by the time you get to the next homestand. So they have a chance here to be 500 by the time most of their key players come back. That's a that's a that's a really good job. It's a real good job. And it's like I said in a tweet the other day, you don't you're not going to win a championship by beating Orlando in November. But that's a real good win just to keep yourself afloat, keep the the mood around the team good, keep you competitive in the standings, and build up guys confidence so that they can maybe step into a bigger role. And if they can continue to do that here and and be around or above 500, that'll be a good stretch. It'll be a good stretch.
1: Completely agree. Yeah. All
0: right. I think that will just about wrap it up. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.